one thing that is sure, social media is not going anywhere. So how can we know what we should post and what we shouldn't? I can, and all too often, have posted pretty identical things, and one was completely sinful while the other was directed with the heart towards God, and you wouldn't have known the difference. It's ultimately really an issue with our own heart. And only you, and only I, know our own heart, and the Lord knows the intent of our heart. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or really, whatever time you're listening, I hope you're having a great day. I'm Julie Van Warmer, your host for today's episode of Unshaken. Today, we're going to be listening in on a talk given by Jen Clark at one of our most recent Regarding Him conferences. This is a really important topic. It is called the ups and downs of social media, and boy, are there ups and downs to social media. Today, we're going to listen in as Jen gives us some clear direction on how we should be responding to Facebook and Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat, and even Pinterest. And who knows what new social media platforms are on the horizon in the future. Let's jump in and listen how you and I can deal with the ups and downs of social media and even use it to honor God. Hello, I'm Jennifer, and I am a social media user. At times, that is how social media leaves me feeling, a little bit reluctant to admit being part of, maybe a little bit embarrassed, and maybe even just a bit of gross feeling after using it. However, the flip side is that it can be both so useful and enjoyable to engage in. Perhaps you can relate to this feeling. And so there lies the tension that is felt with embracing the various platforms of social media available to us today. No doubt each one of us have some sort of experience with social media, whether firsthand or by observing the cultural fascination with this form of interaction virtually. We have been shaped and impacted by it in various ways. Those of you on the younger side of the audience today have likely grown up with social media use as the norm. Some of us are plugged into social media on our phones throughout the day. Like myself, you may have found yourself at some point with a myriad of questions and perhaps even fears regarding social media. Is it okay? Is it good? Is it permissible? Is it even safe? Should I, as a Christian, even engage in the social media world? How much is too much? How much of my time should I devote to it? What's the best and safest platform to use? Does scripture have anything to say about Facebook or Instagram? Well, you and I don't really need to dig too deep to take notice that the culture around us at large is doing its own scrutinizing of our culture's social media habits. Here's just a few of the samplings that I've taken note of. This one is from The New Yorker. Social media, for me, feels like being at a party where everyone is shouting over each other and no one is actually listening. And then the following from a couple of women on an NPR segment in the past year. The future is here and we can't go back. It's a momentary fulfillment and then a deep, deep darkness. The moment between hitting send and waiting for the applause is the loneliest moment. And then last, this thought. Social media, the karaoke of the internet. 
How did we get here that we spend our day each on our own mini stage? So listen to that. The karaoke of karaoke of the internet. Each of us trying to do out do one another something that's already been performed, but trying to do it in our own unique way, mimicking what someone has already done. Isn't that a picture of social media today? Now, while these observations are not from individuals with a particularly Christian perspective, we are wise to take notice of the talk that's being brought to our attention on social media and our culture. While being enamored with social media, there's also sounding the alarms. Have we begun to take notice of this culture pushback? Are we feeling that pushback? We do, as a society, have names for it. We declare social media breaks. We unplug. We have apps for tracking our social media usage and books that show us and teach us how to break up with our phone. We are searching for what to do with this tension. So what are we as Christians to think? Does scripture have anything to say about these platforms? Well, in fact, scripture is not silent to our progressive and tech-savvy generation, but rather God's word does equip us to be prepared for this battlefield. He designs us to be glory givers rather than glory grabbers, that we strive to be, and he does send us out with purpose to love our neighbors, even in the world of social media. So God is truth, and his word matters in this. So in the next um, few moments, time that we're together, we're going to unpack how God's word equips us and guides us through this social media tension as we look at four particular areas. First, and you could refer to the handout that has some of this laid out. The first of the four areas is knowing where we are, knowing who we are, knowing why we are here, and then knowing God's truth. So first, when engaging in social media, we must know where we are. The appeal to share and to communicate in a digital world has spread across, across generational lines over the past dec decade. Social media has without a doubt become a fixture in our everyday lives and it's a daily playground that many of us visit. The first thing that we must know when we are the first thing that we must know about where we are is seeing that social media is not a neutral playground but actually has a driving force below the surface. And that driving force is, of course, a business that runs it. Every time that we log in, scroll through, and engage in social media, we have entered the world of this business. And these businesses are big, and they have big goals. It is easy to treat these platforms that we're using, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or whatnot, as really neither no good nor bad, just kind of a simply a modern tool that we kind of need to keep track on how much time we're using it for. <clears throat> it can be helpful. And at times such as this, though, we really do have become ease, at ease with our social media platform of choice. But as followers of Jesus, we must be willing to dig below the surface and really discern what is going on. What were the intent of the creators and the designers, and what are the goals of these businesses? Well, let's take a brief look at where we've come from and where we are. 
The business of social media communication has really transformed our world in a relatively short amount of time. And it's an expansive world. Let's talk numbers for a moment. Here are the current kind of big hitters in our world, the kind of social media apps of the moment. Facebook, which is kind of a 30 and older crowd. Instagram is a 40 and kind of under crowd. YouTube is a pretty universal, has pretty universal usage as far as age and economic class. Uh, Twitter is largely men and, well, anybody in politics. TikTok is, and Snapchat are a fairly young crowd, and then Pinterest is still pretty popular with mostly women. So take a moment and think of what is your go-to social media outlet on this list. For me personally, it's been Instagram for a number of years. I do enjoy design and photography and really, honestly, minimal words. It's been a simple tool for me to utilize to edit photos in a flash and kind of preserve for my family. Some of these apps, honestly, I know little about and didn't dig into too much. TikTok is fairly new on the scene and it's fast growing with a pretty young crowd. LinkedIn is another one I didn't mention and it's a social networking site for working professionals. But the big hitter and the most universal is still Facebook. So let's take a quick look at it. It is unquestionably the most widely used and has had the longest longevity of the social media sites. It really does have tentacles that are weaved into many facets of our life that we may not even realize. Facebook came on the scene roughly 16 years ago or so. So those of you all who are in high school and college in the audience, that really means that you've grown up in a culture where social media and the word Facebook has been a normal part of your vocabulary. So for all of you, it's been a lifetime, but in the whole scheme of things, 15, 16 years it really is not that long. And in fact, in that amount of time, Facebook has been named one of the most important institutions of the early 20th first century. So fast forward here to where we are today, and Facebook has 2.5 billion monthly active users worldwide. That's two and a half billion with a B, billion users. To put that in perspective, an estimate by the UN in the end of 2020 of the world's population was that it was 7.8 billion. So you have 2.8 billion and 7.8 billion. They don't seem all that far apart. That's nearly a third of the world's population logs into some sort of Facebook account every month. It seems hard to believe, and I really did research this on multiple sites. And in fact, 70% of Americans report being part of some form of social media. And that's in 16 years that this type of change has happened in our world. So when thinking about business and what we're putting our attention to, with any business, it has to have a product. That's an essential requirement. And so in social media business, we are the product, you and I. But don't simply take my word for it. Apple, you know, pretty big company out there. Tim Cook's the CEO. And in a privacy commitment for Apple, um, he has written, when an online service is free, you are not the customer, you are the product. 
You are the item, even in cyber form, that is being offered for sale. And even in cyber form, every product is made at a cost and sold at a price. So you and I, while we thought we were just simply checking in, keeping up with friends and our family, maybe proclaiming our opinion at time, enjoying a cute baby pic or photo so online. Um, and yes, for all 145 minutes of our day. Roughly 2.5 hours is the average daily social media use worldwide. And that attention we are giving away, and that is what the business of social media is buying. Now, hold on here before your eyes kind of gloss over and think, well, two and a half hours, that may be everyone else. It couldn't possibly be true of you and me. It was really shocking to me every time as I took stock of how often I picked up my phone, how much attention I gave away, how frequently I reached for it, scrolled through two minutes here, seven minutes there, 15 minutes there in a pickup line and it adds up super fast. On your handout, I've put a time log and I would encourage you to take a week or take a day or so and keep track of exactly how much time you're putting to these platforms. And let me let you in on a little secret. For many of us, our phones have already done this work for us. My, my latest phone that I have in the last year um, sends me a weekly screen time report. And of all times, it appears first thing Sunday morning is I am getting ready to head out to church. And it is embarrassing and not pretty at times. And to be honest, after I wrote a chunk of this paper as we delayed it a year, in the year 2020, I did take stock of what that was. And I had nearly three hour average weekly use on my phone which is quite shameful. Now I didn't pick apart how much that was me reading the weather, reading a news article, checking emails. It probably does do that, but that's time that was just given away that I do not have back. Our time, our attention is a currency that's being sought after and is creating big money. A statement from a leader in the tech industry puts a name on it, that it's a thing, that we're living in a time when attention is the new currency. All two and a half hours or however much it is that we give away. So where is our attention being placed? We must open our eyes to where we are, where our time's being spent, because surely the Lord takes interest in how we spend our time and to who our attention is being given. God's word matters in this. <clears throat> Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we've looked at knowing where we are. Now let's look at who we are. As we all agree, we have a different interest in why we go to social media. I have certain ways I use it and you have yours. And there's a fair bit of gray area for Christians are going to make different choices in how we use it. 
we are not going to focus specifically on a list of social media do's and don'ts for believers, but rather what are the principles the scripture gives us that guides us as we navigate online. It is revealing that a founder of a social media giant pinpoints the intent and the design for a successful site as the following, and that is to play into our sinful nature. Some year back, the founder of LinkedIn gave his theory on success for social networks. He said social networks do best when they tap into one of the seven deadly sins, such as Facebook is ego and LinkedIn is greed. Now, I'm not advocating that we simply use the world's definitions of the seven deadly sins as our benchmark for how we as believers ought to behave. We have God's word, and it is truth, and his word matters in this. He defines sin and the weight of it. The Lord has also provided the cure for our sin, and he gives his spirit to convict us of our sin. So knowing who we are begins with knowing we are sinners. Knowing that each of us do have our particular weaknesses that we are prone to be tempted by. Know your sin traps. What are the landmines in social media for you personally? Know who you are and how social media works on you. We cannot confess our sin and fight it and overcome it until we know what is the sin in our lives. And we do have the promises of God to hold fast to, as Romans reminds us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is truth, and his word matters in this. As we dig into a few common pitfalls on social media, I would ask you to pause and consider who you are online. Are you watchful and discerning? Engaging in social media is not a sin in and of itself, but it certainly is a prime playground for Satan, and we are wise to remember Genesis 4-7, as it warns us, the sin is crouching at our door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. How do we master it in regards to our online activity? On your handout, you'll see a list of uh, six or seven sin traps that are common temptations on social media. So let's go through them. First, we have pride and vanity. So how do we have eyes to see it? It's what builds up our ego. It's constantly measuring the success of our post, the number of likes, how quick a response we receive from a witty comment or a carefully staged photo of our day. It's the love we feel when we are recognized, applauded for anything. Now think back to the statement earlier, It's that moment between hitting send and waiting for the applause is the loneliest of moments. It's kind of the emptiness of vanity described right there. But 1 John 2, 16 tells us, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but of the world. God is truth, and his word matters. Next, we have jealousy and envy. Well, how do we have eyes to see that? It's sometimes it's that little internal reaction at the good of another. Could be a vacation photo, a photo of a friend's child, you name it. 
Something good that is turned to sin in our own heart as Satan tugs at our weaknesses. It could be the fear of missing out. It's that anxiety that some of us feel when something interesting, something exciting has happened somewhere. We view a post and a photo and reflect on what we were excluded from. Proverbs 14.30 encourages us to have a tr- that a tranquil heart is life to the body, but envy rots the bones. God is truth, and his word matters. Idleness. We get wrapped up in clickbait, going from one thing to the next shiny distraction. We stream from one video to the next while blocking out life. And before you know it, that 140 minutes of our 24-hour day is gone. And we are wise to take what Proverbs teaches us about a godly woman who lives purposefully. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. That's Proverbs 31, 27. Gossip. Gossip, as it relates to social media, quite honestly, is done offline. Think about Think about how we process things. We examine our news feed and the latest updates, and then over time, a little bit later, we bring its contents to the dinner table or a more private conversation. Our temptations to gossip may not be done online, but they tend to seep into our more private settings. May our prayer be of like Psalm 141.3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. God is truth and his word matters. Busybodies. We see it. It's the one who's very interested in what other people say and do. Always scrolling, commenting, and advising. Is this not a divining description of social media? In 1 Timothy 5 addresses this tendency, particularly in women, if you check out the context of it. And in this context, we don't even need to walk from house to house anymore for this temptation to seep into our lives. So 1 Timothy 5.13, besides that, they, listen, they learn to be idlers, going about from house to fa- house, and not only idlers, but gossip and busybodies, saying what they should not. God is truth, and his word matters. And then lastly, we have anger and wrath. It's that quickness to express disapproval of this or that, rash comments, harsh words in a public platform. 2020 has been a year of anger and wrath displayed online. And James 1, 19 reminds us that, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the wrath of God does not achieve the righteousness of God. God is truth and his word matters. We must have eyes that are continually guided by God's word to recognize the tricks and the temptations of Satan when we're engaging in social media. And to be clear, social media is to be in the world, and to be in the world as a Christian is to be in a battlefield, as we are charged with being salt and light and sharing the gospel to a fallen and broken world. Next, let's talk about why we're here. As Christians, we do have a godly purpose 
And if we are on a social media platform, it's the same. It doesn't change wherever we are. We are designed to be, um, to give glory to God. We are meant to give glory to God and not gobble glory for ourselves. And what do I mean by that? Well, let's start with what we know best, and that's ourselves. And we'll work backwards and see it in reverse. So we are prone to be glory gobblers. Social media is designed to be heavy on on self-worship. All the temptations to sin through social media that we just went over has the desire for self-worship at its core. It's self-promotion. It's gaining followers, looking who are the influencers. How can I be an influence, an influencer? How do I build a brand and receive recognition? In our lives, we might see it kind of like this. Many of us have become curators of our own best life that we work to portray to our social media friends. We manage our image. We act as custodians for our own little museum, our best life on display in those little tiny square screens of Instagram that we hold in our pocket. And how did we all get to this place where we were all on our own mini stage? Recall that earlier observation, the karaoke of the internet, just busy photo editing and staging our experiences to build up our own little brand all while waiting for that silent applause. Now, given enough consumption of glory and chasing after glory for ourselves, it does make us sick. Remember that uneasiness and that introduction, that kind of, hi, my name is Jennifer, and I'm a social media user. Kind of being surrounded by such glory grabbing can leave us sick because it's not what we were meant for. Though we may not identify it as a sickness, but actually instead we seek more and more of that glory for ourselves. It's kind of like that cycle of binge eating in response to feeling bad about ourselves. Sin added upon more sin does nothing to alleviate the sickness, the weight, and the burden. But God, I love those passages and scriptures when I come across them that lay out our dire need as a people of saving. And then the world brings us the words, but God, and he reminds us of God's truth and his faithfulness to his people. And this is kind of one of those moments, all this messy glory grabbing that we partake in, but God, he designed us for so much more. We've just turned it all around. This passage in Psalm 115 has been on my mind and heart in the last year and a half as I have worked on this talk. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. And so what happens when we place glory where it belongs? What happens when we act in a way that God designed us for? Well, we thrive. We are meant to give glory to God, not worship creation instead of the creator. We were designed with a purpose by our creator, our father, to be glory givers. And you and I do this by living a life of thankfulness and praise to the Lord for all that he has done and all that he brings into our lives. We take what he has done for us, redeemed our life from the pit, And out of love for him, we live in a life that seeks obedience, 
out of love for him, we lay down our life and our rights and our freedoms, and we serve one another. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's Matthew 5, 16. Good work that is done with a heart that joyfully depends on God's help. This glorifies God. It's our little bit of light that points to a much greater light. And then what happens in return, it's God, who's the ultimate giver, outdoes us in giving. Our small offerings to him are poured back abundantly on our own lives. And our nearness to God as we work in our day to reflect back unto him and all that he provides to us, the Lord gives us promises that are evident in our life. As Psalm 1611 says, you will make known to me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. He gives us purpose in our life. He gives us full joy, and he gives us goodness forever. So as we interact on social media, if that's what we choose to do, let us consider our hearts and remember that those unseen participants on the other side are, in fact, our neighbors. Galatians 5, 13 and 14, I believe it is. For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For as the whole law is fulfilled in the words in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the greatest way that we can love our neighbor, to serve our neighbor, is to interact with them on social media and to point her to Jesus, the only one who can save. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him, who is Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we as God's children have so many ways in which we have tasted and we have seen the goodness of the Lord. We've seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, and let us pass this on. I do like this particular quote from an author that I enjoy. It's Rebecca Merkel, and she wrote a book called Eve in Exile, and it's particularly towards women in how we can glorify God. So here is the quote. It is taking the work he has given you, the gifts God has given you, the desires he has given you, the constraints he has given you, and then figuring out how to weave those into something glorious, something compelling, a beautiful aroma that can't be contained and beckons a broken world to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. How do you use your interaction in a virtual world to point those to take notice of the goodness of God in your life? Do our words, do my words, do my photos point a broken world to something different, something hopeful? Now, we can do these in a wide variety of ways in our own daily lives. Um, we have many daily tasks that we're all responsible for. We may do this when we draw attention to where we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good in our mundane faithfulness of our daily work that we fulfill. It may be, in fact, um, a baker, the beautiful um, artistry of, say, a sourdough 
bread loaf, how God takes those few ingredients and he transforms those with the work of our hands into such goodness. It's taking moments, stopping and seeing the goodness of the Lord in a powerful display of the rising and falling sun in the horizon. In this past year in particular, there were several friends and I who live in a few mile radius of one another, and we repeatedly called attention to the work of God and display in our backyards. The Monclova sunsets in the year 2020 were spectacular. They weren't always posted, sometimes they were, sometimes they were shared in a text, but they were all reminders and encouragement to each of us to stop and take notice of the nearness of God on those very days and to praise him for it. May we call one another to take notice of the work of God in our lives. It may be the blessing of children that are in and around our lives discovering God's created world. It may be the recording, the gift of a fifth child, a sixth child, a seventh child, and documenting their days in acts of thankfulness to the Lord as he equipped me and sustained me and poured out his goodness and mercy each day. It may be capturing and praising God for a child who's still smiling after a hard day. The third son at 3.33 on the third day of the third month of third grade. Taking notice of God's work as a designer as we stop to notice how structurally well-designed a tree is on an evening walk with a friend and encouraging one another to praise God and to glorify Him. These things can be done in many different ways. Many times they may be captured with um, a scriptural verse. Sometimes they don't take note at all of scripture, but it's our heart's intents and where we're placing and pushing glory back onto. As I stated at the beginning, it doesn't always profit us to reduce social media use into a black and white list of do's and don'ts, list of do's and don'ts. I can, and all too often, have posted pretty identical things, and one was completely sinful while the other was directed with the heart towards God, and you wouldn't have known the difference. It's ultimately really an issue with our own heart. And only you and only I know our own heart, and the Lord knows the intent of our heart. Is my heart seeking after what Psalm 150? One says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your loving kindness, because of your truth, or is it seeking after a silent applause? So we must know where we are, that social media is to be engaging in the world. We must know who we are. We must recognize that what our sin traps are and that God does have a way out of our sin for us. And we must know why we are here, that our purpose is to glorify God. And we must know God's truth. Being in God's word is God speaking to us. It's God interacting with us each and every day and drawing us near to him. Knowing and being in scripture is foundational to our faith. It is God speaking to us. It is active, it is alive, and it's by God's power 
that it works in our lives and changes our hearts, draws us nearer to Him. And weaved through the time that we've had together, as we've given thought to our tech-savvy ways, our opportunities to engage in various different platforms or not to, we see that it's, we do see that it, <clears throat> it is His Word that instructs our ways. He equips us to live for Him in a broken world that's full of temptations. And it's His Word that shows us how deep his loving kindness is towards us and where we may find truth. So whatever we do, whether it's online or not, we must choose to do all of this for the glory of God. And may my prayer and may your prayer be, as Psalm 115.1 says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. It's time for this episode's tiny tidbit. A tiny tidbit is just a small, tiny piece of information that can help you in a really big way. Today's tiny tidbit is brought to you from my friend, Rebecca Ambergy. Rebecca, I'm glad you're here again. Thanks for having me. I think you're going to talk to me a little bit about exercise. And honestly, Rebecca, I probably am the person who needs this the most. Okay. So, okay. So you're really just telling me, forget all the people listening. This is for me. Okay. So. Well, this is why I do it. So, um, obviously, there's a lot of things um, in an exercise routine. Yes, yeah. But I am very passionate about strength training in particular. Okay. Um, I think most uh, women are not doing strength training. Strength they're doing training. cardio. Yes, they're doing cardio, yeah. which is not bad. No, it's no. not bad. But for me, strength training, over the past few years, um, I've been focusing on doing strength training well, lifting weights, good okay. movement patterns, um, and it has significantly reduced all kinds of random pain for me. Really? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Knee pain, back pain, neck huh. pain, hip pain. Just, you know, the the random things that come up, um, I don't have it as much. As we get a little older. As we get a little older. I'm a little older than you, but yes. as we get a little older. My pain, I was a former college athlete, and so uh, my pain certainly started earlier. Okay. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. But it's going to happen yeah. for everyone. But instead of it ballooning yeah. um, into something worse. Or I, debilitating where you can't actually do yes. something. Yes. Yeah. I do think strength training um, and doing it well has reduced a lot of pain for me. Okay. Um, so a few years ago, my husband bought a, a weight set in the basement, mm-hmm. and my boys, my younger two boys, who are like at this recording time, 14 and 12, are down there all yeah, the time. Awesome. Maybe I should go down and join them. You should. They probably could teach you, because <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, sure they, they learn. Yeah, they, they do. Learn, um, they things. learn all kinds of things and know how to do things. Yes. So, yeah. so it reduces your um, pain. But it also, it's like, it's what's, that is what, as opposed to cardio, is what's going to get you off the floor. Yeah. If you fall when you're 80. That is really important. Yes. Um, All right. I guess I know what I'm going to do today. (laughs) I'm going to go start. You can start small. Yeah. Too. Yeah. And I actually will say that I have found on YouTube some nice videos for people who are on their older end who are doing different things. Mm -hmm. Some strength training, some Mm -hmm. hit 
workouts, yes. you know, things like that that are more on the, that age level. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you can exercise whatever you, whatever age you are, right? Yes, I yeah. agree. Yeah, so and that's good. It is more enjoyable than cardio and workouts. Yeah, cardio, man. All right, well, that is good advice on the importance of that. But how do you even fit it in to your everyday life? Because, like, I'm busy, and I think you're busy. So how do you pack it in? Yes. So for us, for me, personally, um, finding consistent time to do it and being on the exact same page with my husband. Okay. About that time. So my time, my sweet spot, is 7 a.m. Okay. I love it. I sometimes go earlier. I don't love it. Okay. But... (laughs) I will. If you have to. If I have to. Yeah. If it doesn't work with our schedule, if my husband has to leave earlier or something. Okay. But um, it, that's when it consistently gets done. Yeah. And it's helpful that your husband's supportive of this. So yes. that it, because it means you'll live longer. I mean, God's numbered our days, but mm-hmm. it means your body will work well. Yes. You know. And I'm, I feel better. Yeah. Which is good for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Better. Yeah. That's good. Um, but to consistently do it, he has to, like, the time has to work for both of us. Okay. Okay. So, and then I personally leave the house oh. and go to a gym. Okay. Even though we have equipment in our basement, I don't do it. Okay. So I could leave my house and come to your house and use <laughs> your equipment. <laughs> Just You're really good. That's a great idea, actually. <laughs> could trade houses. Um. <laughs> Okay, why does that help you? Because you're physically leaving and you're not being, you know, interrupted by your kids? Is Maybe. that? Okay. Yes. Because I have, ours is in our basement. I can tell you what I need to do, what I need to sort in the basement. Okay. Um, so your basement becomes more of a stress. So going somewhere else is good. Okay, good. I do, even though it takes a little longer. I wish it would be great to just pop down there and get it done, but it doesn't. Okay. So you don't have to leave your house at all. Yeah. You just have to find out what works for you and then do it. Okay. I love it. Um, and then my last thing, it's about consistency and habit and not motivation. Oh. It's not motivation because you're not going to. Okay. Ever. Ever. Um, okay. Not ever. But it's not going to be a natural thing like, ooh, let me go exercise yes. at 6 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think people um, or women who have asked me how I do it more about how do I find motivation okay and it's more ha- it's habit that's just I habit just get up and I leave the house yep and if you have it at the same time every day mm-hmm. it makes it easier to keep that yes. habit going yes and an nice. easy time for my husband too yeah nice so, cool yeah well that is really helpful and it, it is um encouraging to hear that a mom how many kids do you have five five little boys, boys. they're all boys your oldest is 10 10 yeah so five boys under 10 yes you better keep your exercising know, girl so you're true. you're gonna be going at this for a I while know, strong <laughs> yeah that's good well it's good and it's good for us to hear that you can do it you can yep mm-hmm. and god wants us to keep our bodies healthy right yes so mm-hmm. whether it's eating or exercising or um well whatever god wants us to do it yes. for his glory so excellent thank you rebecca for sharing thanks for having me There are some really good things to social media, but we do need to use discernment and we do have to pray. Hey, speaking of social media, 
head over to our Facebook or Instagram accounts and like or follow us at Women of the Word CTW. We do put out some really good content that you would really love. Also, while you're at it, head over to your favorite podcast directory and subscribe to our podcast, Unshaken. And hey, if you have some time, give us a five-star review. That's a really great way to help us promote this podcast. Next week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about another installment of our Feminology series this year on emotions. Next week's episode is focused on loneliness, and it's going to be a great episode, and I hope that you join us then. Remember, when everything around you is shaking, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time. Thank you.